WHHH FM Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy. It's Open Lines, your eye on the community on High 96.3. Hold up. Good morning. You're listening to a rebroadcast of Eye on the Community. All right. Good morning to Indianapolis. Hit the wrong button. Coming fresh out of the gate there this morning. This is Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, coming to you live from the Radio One studios in downtown Indianapolis on this Sunday morning, July 26, 2020. And on the phone with us this morning, Ebony Chappelle, back from vacation. What's up, y'all? This is your community queen, Ebony Chappelle. So happy to be back with y'all this morning. Needed that vacation to kind of, you know, reconnect with myself, get myself together, but I'm happy to be back. Uh, Cameron, what side of town am I from? Uh, haha, you're from the west side, <laughs> but you claim Hawville, which I Hawville. always have pronounced Hogville with the G. Apparently, nobody else does that. No, no, that's that region stuff, that's that up north stuff. It's Hogville. So, shout out to all my 90s babies that went to Christian Moore Day Camp. You know, glad that you got it together. Well, we're glad that you got it together and you got some rest and you're back with us because this morning we have a lot to talk about. School is just days away from starting. It would have been starting this coming week for several school districts, but now due to an executive order from Mayor Joe Hogsett and the Dr. Virginia Kane, schools have to wait until August 5th because the coronavirus numbers are climbing. And guess who we have uh, standing by on the phone with us? It is Dr. Kane. Ebony, we'll talk to her in just a second. Yes, indeed. You know, to answer all of these questions that people have about getting back to school, we have some new closings and some new restrictions as well. So be sure to get your questions together and call in to join that conversation with the expert. We're going to start taking your calls at 317-239-9696. Your question, talk to directly the doctor, an infectious disease expert who knows what she's doing. Your questions, your comments for her right now, 317-239-9696. But first, let's get you caught up on what is happening this morning in the news. Indiana is reporting 934 new cases of coronavirus and 11 additional deaths. The state's total number of cases now climbs to 61,520. The state is also reporting a total of 2,698 deaths. Marion County continues to have the most deaths and cases with 712 deaths and 13,549 confirmed cases of COVID-19. As coronavirus numbers continue to climb, the Indianapolis Colts are planning to cap capacity at Lucas Oil Stadium to 25%, under the limit a maximum of about 15,000 fans would be allowed into the 63,000-seat stadium. The team will offer two half-season packages for 2020 with seniority determining who will get to attend the games. Hurricane Hannah has made landfall on Texas's Padre Island. The National Hurricane Center says the storm made landfall about 15 miles north of Ports Mansfield with a maximum wind of 90 miles per hour. In your forecast from Storm Team 6, get ready for high heat and humidity today under mostly sunny skies with a high of 91 degrees. Right now, it is 71 degrees in Indy. And so, as we promised, the phone lines are already starting to ring, Ebony, because mm-hmm. we threw it out there that we have the expert standing by. Dr. Virginia Kane, the Marion County Public Health Director, is with us to spend the hour. She's been up. She's been a popular lady because a lot of people have questions for her. And now was your chance to do the same right here at 317-239-9696. Dr. Kane, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? We are so good and so glad to have so you good. with us. Yeah. But you know what? I got a problem with Ebony, Miss Ebony. Uh-oh. Oh, what did I do this time? <laughs> How did you go on vacation without me? So that's the first thing. Oh, and then goodness. The well, second you know thing, what? you Miss Community Queen. I thought I was Miss Community Queen. Oh. You know what? <laughs> you should see me right now. I am laying prostrate. You can be community queen. That's all you, Dr. Kane. And next time when I vacation, right, I'm so you're in this now. You gotta have to get it together. 
Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. So, Dr. Kane, we have all of these callers that are calling in, that are going to call in with their questions. Um, but bring us up to speed with where we're at now and why we are going back to this pause. We are kind of reeling back some of the, um, or stepping up, rather, some of the restrictions around COVID. It seemed like we were starting to get out of the woods a little bit, and now we are going back to some, some really strict restrictions. Bring us up to speed on what is taking us to that place now. So you know what? <clears throat> when we were at our height of our epidemic, and that was like the first week in May, that's when we were at our peak of all of our cases. We look at, um, uh, there are about five factors we look at to see and monitor our progress, just how well are we doing. And one of, the, one of the main things that we look at, of course, is the number of cases you're having on an average per day. Uh, and then we look at what percentage of our community has a positive test who get tested. And the third criteria we look at, are we seeing a lot of ambulance runs to the hospital? Fourth factor we look at are how many hospitalizations we have for COVID-19. And the fifth factor we monitor um, are how many deaths we are seeing. And so um, the number of cases we were seeing per average um, back in the first week of May was a little over 200 cases per day. We were reaching some cases as many as over 300 cases a day. Wow. And we, we did such a job. We had dropped from having over 300 cases a day down to 45 cases a day. Mm. That was phenomenal for us. And we dropped down to 45 cases a day, and that was June the 24th, like the third week in June. And then when we looked at our positivity rate, at the start of the epidemic, 48% of everybody we tested was positive for COVID-19. And we dropped all the way down to 4.2%. Wow. So we made a lot of progress at some point. So we made phenomenal progress with that stay in shelter recommendation, but just after the July the 4th holidays, and we opened up a number of things in that phase four, and then going to phase 4.5, we saw a 50% increase in the number of cases in the past week, where we were averaging 45 cases per day. We shot up to... um, over 100 cases a day, now seeing like 115 cases um, a day where we were had made it down to 45 cases. We saw our positivity rate go from 4.2%, and it was slowly creeping up to the point now that we have a positivity rate of about 10.7, almost 11%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, emergency room visits are slowly increasing now for COVID-19 cases. And the only thing that's been sort of flat, we have not seen yet increased hospitalizations, and we have not seen increased deaths. Now, why are we not seeing the increased hospitalizations? And why are we not seeing increased deaths? Well, would you believe it's changing who is getting infected with the COVID-19? Absolutely. COVID-19. We see increased cases of, of 20 to 39. Yeah. Yeah. So the height of this epidemic, <clears throat> over 50% of our cases were in seniors, 60 and older, over 50% of the cases. Now, who's getting these COVID-19 cases? It's the 20 to 29-year-olds. They are getting the largest number of cases followed by the 30 to 49 year olds okay and we're even seeing a slight increase in our 0 to 19 year olds and it's closely we think uh, around those 18 
and 19-year-olds that are making up those numbers. So wow. they're a little bit healthier because they're younger. Um, they don't have as much of the chronic medical illnesses. So you, we're not seeing the same level of hospitalizations. Uh, and we are um, not seeing the same level of deaths. But I have to caution people. If they live in a multi-generational home, what do I mean by multi-generational home? If they are in constant contact with someone that's older or younger, they can infect those individuals. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Kane, you've got yeah. several calls standing by, but before we do that, i got to ask you one question, and then the rest of it's going to be from uh, the callers this hour School was supposed to start for many districts this coming week. Perry Township was going to be the first on Wednesday on the 29th. And your uh, new executive order with you and Mayor Hogsett pushes things back to July 5th. Obviously, you just told us the reason why. But tell us what those conversations that you had with uh, school superintendents were like, because now it seems pretty universal that any school district that is opening in Marion County will allow their K through five students to go Monday through Friday for the full day. But if you are sending your secondary school of students, which is uh, sixth or seventh grade up to 12th grade, uh, they are going to do a hybrid. So go to school two days a week. The other uh, three days a week, they will do e-learning. And that's so only half the population is in the building at one time. And um, so that you can increase social distancing in the classroom and on the school buses. With that as the result, how did you come to that? So, So one of the things we've looked at, and we had some recent data that looked at uh, looking at elementary kids versus middle school and high school kids, the data showed that <clears throat> there was very little transmission. It can't occur, but very little transmission that occurs with elementary children. But once you start reaching middle school and high school, uh, they have a higher rate of being able to transmit the coronavirus. Not like what we're seeing with adults, though. We have... Um, we don't have the cases in the children like we see with the flu or influ- influenza, but they are at a they they are more capable <clears throat> of transmitting the virus from middle school and high school. So we came to the factor that because elementary kids, uh, there's very low risk for transmission of the coronavirus. That it was all right for them to go to school. Uh, in full um, capacity, but for our middle schools and high schools, we could not allow them to be there in full capacity in in a very large numbers because we have some schools that they got like um, um, sixteen thousand I think over at Lawrence and mm-hmm. IPS has thirty thousand schools, so we didn't want a large number of students at full capacity every day. So we have, um, this has been done in other states already, places so that we're using a hybrid model. So they're not there 100% every day at full capacity. So they can be there um, for, like, example, two days a week, and we're different using different classes in terms of uh, making sure we've reduced the capacity in those school systems. Now, we do have some schools that the classes are so small, like their total school is just 150 students, mm-hmm. and we've got some schools that are their total is 90 uh, students, and they've got large buildings and large uh, classroom sizes. Those schools, they don't have to have the hybrid because they have so few students, maybe only 10 students, for example, in a classroom, and classroom size is such that it's really huge and no problem with doing the six-foot distancing and, uh, and, wearing, and face covering. 
All right, so mm-hmm. that's that's the reason behind it. Other questions for the doctor? Call us right now, 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. Or if you can't get through on the phone lines because they are already yes. lit up, you can mm-hmm. tweet us at The Open Line Show, or you can tweet me at Cameron Riddle, or tweet Ebony, Ebony the Writer. Let's go to the phones right now with questions for the doctor. Caller on line one, good morning. You are live on the air. Greetings. How are you guys doing this morning? Good morning, sir. How are you? I am great. This is Paul calling. Welcome back, Ebony. Hey, Paul. Good to hear you. Welcome back. And uh, I want you ladies to put them claws up because all of my (laughs) black sisters are queens. So y'all can put them claws on up. So let me get to the doctor. (laughs) Uh, Let me get to the doctor. These these conversations that you and the mayor and the governor and different people have, don't y'all realize that this, this virus is not under control enough? for the schools to open and that under no circumstances, whether it's a hundred students or a thousand students, this is going to jeopardize our children. With all the technology and different things, these children can stay at home and learn. Uh, I've listened to the governor and different things. They are trying to open up the economy. This is about money. This is not about health. And if the health department is actually in control of what's going on, I think that the health department needs to reconsider this decision to open these schools up. Because when these children start getting sick and different things and we're coming up on flu season, this is not, this is not even common sense. So I uh, really would like for you guys to reconsider seriously about opening these schools up at this time. Because this virus is not over, and we are about to jeopardize our children. So I think that you guys need to reconsider what's going on. And uh, I, like I said, Cameron knows I, I, I trust everybody that comes on his show. But I need somebody to step up and say, hey, wait a minute, y'all. Let's really rethink this. Because the part that, that's not being spoken out in public is the economy and why these places are opening back up. We don't need these schools open right now, and that's just Paul's. Um, that's just Paul's view. All right, thank uh, hope you, Paul. Have thank a great show, uh, Ebony. I'm glad you're back. Thank you, Paul. And uh, uh, I just want y'all to know that this show is going to be very successful, and you guys have a great day. Thank you, Paul. Doctor King, All to right. you. Let me just respond. So. My mother was a first grade teacher. She was a special education teacher. My father was a teacher. My sister's a teacher. My brother's a teacher. And believe it or not, I teach, but uh, medical students. So it's different. I'll tell you a little bit about my expert panel that we have, uh, that we look at that. We, our expert panel, we have a former state health commissioner. Um, we have the former director of public health practice for the CDC. We have several infectious disease uh, specialists, and we talk to different um, healthcare professionals. Uh, for example, uh, we consult the chief of infectious diseases at Raleigh Hospital. We consult a number of infectious diseases throughout our community. Uh, we also, on constant communication with the health officers and CDC for the 32 largest cities in the United States. Now, when first, uh, when you say that uh, learning is the same at home versus mm. at school, um, honestly, that's not the case, okay? The American Academy of Pediatrics and a lot of the experts across the country realize that there's a significant number of social, behavioral, and other kind of items that you get from seeing a teacher face-to-face makes a difference in your learning. And they've already documented that we're behind in our learning just using the e-learning technology. But at the same time, um, there's a tremendous effort for us that we've got to balance that and to make sure that we're not having any significant um, harm to our children, but there are several ways that you can have harm to our children. And Dr. Kane, I've heard from a number of parents who, who 
are echoing what you said. I've heard from more school staff who are concerned about going back, but I'm hearing a lot of parents who are just fired up about their kids having to do Mm e-learning. They want them physically in the classroom to get the full experience. Now, the other thing, and and it's a factor, whether we like it or not, we have a significant number of parents. They are single parents. And if they don't go back to work. They don't have somebody to be home with their child to do the learning, okay? Mm-hmm. If we could have a lot of community volunteers who could be there for these parents, they're single. They, they, if they don't go back to work, they are homeless. So you'll have a body of parents with children being in shelters trying to figure out how to learn at home. More important yeah. than that, they won't have the ability to put food in their stomach for these kids. We have a significant number of kids that will starve if they're not in that school getting food. And Dr. Payne, one other thing uh, on the school topic. Every parent has the right, every parent has the right to just have e-learning for their child. They're not forced to have their children go, okay, we tell them uh, what we think is a safe level for their kids to go, but in the final analysis, the parent make the decision. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And I come think on, that's an important distinction to make um, is that parents do have a choice, which I think is really, really good on that part. Um, something else, just kind of speaking to that issue of kids going back to school and the fear that exists both from administrators, teachers, and parents of these young students. You all are going to be monitoring this, correct, as kids enter into school and to see if things spike or at all or anything. What can you say about the type of monitoring that's going to take place? So we have a very strong, you know, we can't let a school open unless we have a very strong monitoring system. Uh, A lot of these, every kid is going to be screened for symptoms before they allow to come in the classroom. Every teacher and employee uh, that will happen as well. Uh, they have plans that if some, you know, we're going to have kids that are just going to have colds, common colds, and not the COVID-19. But they're going to have set up a plan that if we find any child that looks like they're sick or whatever, they'll be removed out of that environment safely until someone can assess a person uh, related to that. Um, we are, if anyone looks like they're suspected of uh, COVID-19, we arrange testing uh, for them to get that testing, and that testing will be free for any student employee uh, related to this COVID-19. And we're there within 24 hours. I've got a whole large response uh, team that will be targeted to any school that we If it's unfortunate that we may identify a COVID-19 case, but um, uh, we are there and we monitor the data very, very every day. And we look at it um, at the weekly basis. Now, can I guarantee you once they start school, they'll be able to stay in the school in-person classroom I can't guarantee that. The numbers may go to a certain level, and I just say, guys, I'm sorry. We have to go all virtual. So we we make that look at the numbers on a, a seven-day trend to see if it reaches a certain number, and we'll have to just say, hey, uh, it's unfortunate, but we have to do all virtual. Let's go but back to the phone lines now at 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. Ladies, you have a lot of phone calls here. Let's see who this is online too. Good morning. You're live on the air. It's uh, Larry Vaughn. What's up, How you Larry? doing, Dr. King? Hey, Mr. Larry. How are you, sir? Oh, just fine. You know, I agree with you. Our kids need to go back to school and people need to go back to work because I've been seeing more and more women with their two or three kids living out of their car. And this hot weather, I mean, you have a program that talks about we come to the food pantries and get your gallon of milk and get your food, your healthy food. But how are you going to cook your food if you ain't got no home to go to? I mean, this whole thing is was really troubling to me at first. 
until I researched it. I have something here from uh, Santa Clara High Technology Law Journal. It's Quarantine Revisions and the Model State Emergency Health Powers Act, Laws for the Common Good. Now, this details what is getting ready to happen. People are playing so much emotion now. If we don't end this now, doctor, I think that we're going to be a place where we're not going to be able to go back. More and more people are being made homeless. More and more people are going to lose their property. And we have to understand that when you're behind on your mortgage payment and you go before a judge or you go before a judge when you're being uh, evicted from your apartment, then uh, the judge is going to say, He's not going to want know about COVID. If you say, I got COVID or something like that, he's going to say, hey, you got to go. This is a contract. I can't do nothing about that. So we need to consider, Dr. Kane. I mean, I know that there's certain things that uh, uh, health people have to do and so forth, but this is just a punitive measure. And the way you shifted, uh, uh, Mayor Hawk said shifted the burden, and, and Governor Hogan done the same thing shifted the burden to the people to say, if you don't wear masks, uh, then we can't get out of this. They shifted the burden to the populace. And then if it goes up or they contrive numbers to make it go up, they can say, we're going to punish you now because you didn't obey what we said. So I think this is becoming an emotional issue and a religious, spiritual issue because people are worshiping the COVID virus, just like you go to the church and worship. They're sacrificing to it. They're ready to sacrifice their kids. They're sacrificing their jobs, monies, and businesses, and everything else. This is nothing but a lie, and the only thing a lie can do is destroy itself. Uh, All right, thanks, thank Cameron. You, Larry. All right, Larry. All right, ladies. Before before we before we jump on 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 to him, Doctor Kane, I'm so sorry. Before we get uh, to Larry's answer, we got to take a quick uh, commercial break because we got another half hour of this show to go. And do keep those calls coming and keep those thoughts at the top of your brain because when we come back, we'll continue this conversation. 317-239-9696 is the number to get on the air this morning. And if you can't get through, you can send us a tweet at Open Line Show or hit up Ebony or myself on Twitter. I'm at Cameron Riddle. She is at Ebony the Rider. More of the Open Line Show coming up after this. We want to hear from you, your thoughts, your views, your voice. We are your eye on the community. It's Open Lines on High 96.3. Let's get back to Open Lines, your eye on the community on Hot 96.3. Hey, what up, Naptown? This is your boy, Ricky Smiley, man. Check it out, and you're listening to Open Lines with Cameron Riddle and Ebony Chappelle. This week's community spotlight is a young Kinley grad of class 2020, Teron Richardson. Yesterday, Teron had his open house and there was a lot to celebrate. He got accepted into a whopping 65 colleges. He is an Eagle Scout and a four-sport athlete who at Tinley was still able to manage a 3.8 GPA. This young man has organized Stop the Violence rallies, organized a career fair, and done many other great things. Here is a little bit more about Teron's wishes for other young people in his own words. So what inspires me to be a change agent in my community is the community itself. When I look at the community, it basically inspires myself to you know, provide change, to bring resolutions to the problems that I see and solutions to every endeavor, you know, that I come across. And it's not just, you know, that I feel that our community is in such a detrimental stage. It's more of, you know, trying to better it and try to create something that's, you know, more optimistic and positive for those that's coming forward behind me and also those that, you know, experience this community as well along with me. Now, advice that I would give to my current peers and also peers that are following after me would be to not use the situations and current circumstances that you're in now as excuses to settle or to just get by or to even fail. You need to use that as a driving force to do better and to succeed and to overcome and persevere. 
shout out to you, Tehran, and to the rest of Class 2020. This has been our Community Spotlight. Now let's get back to these open lines. 317-239-9696. That's the number to get back on with Dr. Ken. Congratulations to Tehran for everything that he's doing and the things that are ahead of him. As we said, the phone lines have been blowing up this entire hour. Dr. Kane, uh, everything that we can't get through with today, we will continue with you on Thursday when we uh, do another special, getting everybody to go uh, back to school. That's going to be on all of our stations here on Hot 96.3, 106.7, and WTLC AM 92.7 FM and AM 1310, The Light. That is on Thursday with our Community Affairs Director, Tina Cosby. I'm going to jump right back into the phone calls uh, because we want to clear them because I'm also getting some stuff on social media from people. So, Ebony, Dr. Kane. Let's see who this is on line one. Caller, good morning. You're live right. on the Hello, Ebony. Uh, Cameron, brother. Hi, Em. I had to stop my golf cart out here in New Palestine uh, playing <laughs> golf to make sure I get this call in because as a healthcare professional on the ground, I'm seeing things that the Fairbanks School of Public Health study pointed out in Wednesday's Fox 59 piece. And I want to ask Dr. Kane, does she co- uh, uh, coincide with this piece? from Dr. Menachemy, or does she repudiate it? Because Dr. Menachemy said the raw numbers doesn't necessarily paint the full picture of the prevalence of COVID in Indiana and Indianapolis. Uh, it was Wednesday, he said that Marion County had 13,000 cases. That was Wednesday, because we know we broke records Thursday, Friday, or whatever, and a positivity rate of 12.3%. That was from the Indiana State Department of Health. You got Senator Rick Scott in Florida saying schools should open, but he's not sending his children. Donald Trump says schools should open, but Barron is not going. And then also talking about the learning from children. I've been in contact with homeschooling associations for the last three, four months. I think the home people, children who, or the people who have do homeschooling and do homeschooling for a living may differ with what you have to say on that, on the learning and uh, what their children have gained from it. We know homeschooling children have done very well socially and everything else in life, so they may differ. IPS also is giving weeks worth of food to children if you do e-learning. But the teachers are concerned. I don't hear any concern from the teachers. The teachers in Florida filed lawsuits in federal court. You have protests the other day in Hendricks County. The teachers protesting in other areas. My grandson's teacher from the Montessori school here, a Montessori school here in Indianapolis, is concerned because the Montessori approach is a hands-on approach. They work in groups. They don't sit six feet away. It's impossible to even attempt to do the Montessori approach in person at six feet away and not them contacting. So what are we really doing here? It's based on what my, the first caller says, based on just the economy. Dr. McCain, you just basically said it. They don't get back to work this and the third. I think you're sounding almost like a, a politician. And if we get the pressure on the politicians, then maybe we really can do something about what's going on here. Because as of right now, it's a rudderless ship. Those in power are not going to send their children but yet they want to send yours, and no one is caring about the bus drivers. Cameron, let me throw you in there, because my, my partner is a bus driver for First, uh, the company. And no one's caring about the teachers. And my family is a, is a family of educators also, and they're concerned. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Emotep. Thank Doctor, you. Dr. you. So, thank you. Thank you for that perspective. Let me first say that... Um, the number of my experts or my expert panels are prop are coming from that very Fairbanks School of Public Health that published that study that just got released um, uh, this week. But um, and let me talk about that. Yes, IPS may be providing food um, for children uh, if they don't come to school, but if a parent is working, they don't have the the ability to be able to carry that child um, to the place where they drop off the food and be able to work. So honestly, I've had over 1,000 students who are essentially homeless uh, without this uh, program. And all teaching is not alike. Yes, some, some teachers, some people are really capable of having the ability to teach their children inside their homes but everybody is not alike it's not equal and so uh, if you're not there to teach your child you can't do home learning if there's nobody there to enable to teach that child and what i'm trying to tell folks and i don't think people understand this 
I got into the homeless business for our health department. I didn't realize the extent of the poverty we have in Marion County and the folks being able to take care of themselves with the resources that they need. We're making minimum wage, the same minimum wage, $7.25 for the last 25 years. And you know that inflation has really grown with your rent, paying even your utilities, having helped you putting food on your table. Yeah. And, yes, we got food pantries, but I can only get so much for this food pantry this day. I got to find another food pantry and do it at another day. And if I don't have transportation, public transportation, you almost spend your whole day trying to get resources from keeping your electricity bill from being turned off. So this is fine if you are a resource family. You have the resources for your family. But unfortunately, and that's access for a significant to number of families, we don't have that. And yeah. so I have to balance that, too, making sure that my family's Certain number of families are safe and others that are not. And I will reiterate this. The parents make the final decision. They make the final choice here. The decision is in their hands about their children based on the data that we provide. 317-239-9696-239-9696. That's the number to get on the air. More callers standing by. Let's go back to the phone lines. Caller on line two. Good morning. You are live on the Open Line Show. Good morning. My name is Oliver. Good morning, Oliver. What's up? Well, uh, I have a question uh, for the doctor in regards to the numbers. Um, one, the, 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 I was in South Bend for the last week and a half, and uh, looking at the numbers from St. Joe County, uh, I had a couple of uh, friends and relatives that, that have passed and a couple of GSWs, but then it's getting reported back as there were COVID cases. And and as well as uh, these kids going to school, like, for instance, my 13-year-old daughter, when she goes back to Kenley, if she has a cold. The symptoms are, are similar to a cold. You know, you can't sit there automatically say, hey, this person got COVID, you know, because of the symptoms are too much similar to the same. And then as far as the spike in numbers, there's more places around the state from northern Indiana that's doing more testing than it was uh, before the 4th of July, the week before. So the numbers are going to be high. That's why you're not seeing the number of deaths. You said the same thing, doctor. You wonder why there's not a whole lot of deaths right now. You wonder why this and that. But figure it out. We got more places around the state right now. In 92 counties, that's pretty much almost every county is almost testing. Now, compared to two, three weeks ago, when you only had half of the state getting tested. So the numbers are going the numbers are going to come up high regardless, but the deaths are not climbing as high as they were when we peaked uh, uh, two two and a half months ago. That's my uh, comment and concern. All right, thank you for the call, Doctor. Back thank to you. you. Let me just say what happened to us. We on phase four, we opened up our bars and our nightclubs, and as and just from July the ninth, just in a two week period. We had 249 complaints, and uh, 141 were in the uh, uh, bars and nightclubs. And so that's a younger population. And what I'm saying by this, we there were so many complaints from the bars and nightclubs of people not doing their not wearing their masks when they should. And so we're seeing a younger group of individuals who are being um, disregarding. They, they don't care about wearing those masks. They disregarded social distancing. We've had some large events um, where they just purposely think they can flaunt and not care about this. But it has brought an increase in our cases. Um, and so that was the uh, main reason why we had to shut down the bars and the nightclubs with our cases uh, going up. Now, doctor, on that, on that question, we're getting some questions about shutdowns on social media. One about would there be a blanket shutdown, but two, um, 
one of the school superintendents was talking about having to shut down as far as the, and this was two weeks ago, so I know things changed, but they were saying at the time that you said if there's an outbreak in a school on the north side of Indianapolis doesn't necessarily mean we'll shut down all schools. It may mean we keep the schools on the other side of town open, but we shut that one down. How could a shutdown happen, one, for the, for the school districts, but two, for the entire state? So, like, if I had a school, one student, one student in a classroom just for the entire school and nobody else infected, I would not shut down the school, okay? But if I started to have multiple students in a school system, three or four, they're in different classes than the persons that were infected, then I'd have to consider maybe shutting down that school. Now, that school or that school district? Just that school. Okay. Not the entire school district. Now, it's... Now, as far as the, 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 the rest of the state, one of the questions from social media we just got was, how likely is it that things are going to continue to escalate as they did this week with us going backwards? And then we'll go back to the phones. Okay, so let me just say we know that if we get at least 90% of our community wearing masks, if they, they wear the mask through the appropriate social distancing, just over, if I can get over 90% of the community doing that, you see a substantial drop in the cases, but it in in three to four weeks. Okay, three to four weeks. And you know, we made the recommendation about uh, please wear your mask and social distancing, and we had a whopping high percentage of people just ignored that. They didn't care about that. So that's why we had to make it a a, uh, a requirement. But like the other caller earlier said. We had surrounding counties that didn't have that requirement. They could recommend it, but not have that requirement. And so we have a number of individuals in the surrounding counties. They come and work in Indianapolis, or they may come and visit a lot of people, but they were not mm-hmm. following the mandates of the mask uh, and the social distancing because um, um, they didn't have to in their surrounding counties. So we spend an enormous amount of lobbying, communications with the State Department of Health and the governor's office. Uh, I know our mayor talked with the governor about how critical it was for him to implement a statewide requirement for the math along with the social distancing. All right, let's go back to the phones, 317-239-9696. Want to get as many calls in as we can here because the phones are hot. Let's see who this is on line one. Caller, good morning. You're on the Open Line Show. Good morning. Good morning. What's your name? What's your question? My name is Terry King. I'm a community activist specializing in Hallville as well as a homeless activist for the homeless. I totally disagree. In all due respect to the doctor on the phone, the governor, the mayor, Larry, and all those who made those comments, you cannot send the children back to school. This is not, oh, let's go back to school because we need, we, we need to go back to work. We're single. Don't have anybody to watch the kids. We're single. We don't have no more food. We sleep in the cars. This is an epidemic that we do not have a solution as of yet for. You send a child to school just like they do on a normal basis. If they catch a cold, first of all, kids in masks. Let's look at that. If the kids get tired of wearing the mask, they're going to pull them off. Kids going to be kids. If they got a snotty nose, they wipe their hands, they shake each other's hands, they hug, germs travel. If you send these babies back to school, we're asking for the worst outbreak ever. You cannot do that. Germs travel. Now, let's talk about white, white, white sanitation. Let's talk about infectious disease. I can speak from a personal experience. I was diagnosed with the, uh, infectious disease back in 92. I was cleaning my sister's home. I got to put it out there because the truth is the facts are her house was nasty, roach infested, all that. I had to go to the hospital because I ran a fever. They asked me, had I been out of the country? Had I been out of the state? Had I changed the order, toiletry, laundry, all that? I said, no. Then they diagnosed me with a, a disease, infectious disease, and said it came from filth. I had never heard of this. Everybody has seen Dateline 2020 through the years when they showed them rats in the kitchen in New York. 
that comes from filth. Now, what do you, the question I have for the doctor is, what are you telling these people when they keep telling us people who wipe our hands, who you don't have to tell me i got to wipe my hands before I wash my hands before I eat or wash my hands after I use the bathroom or blow my nose. What are you telling the people that don't do that? And you're saying wipe, wipe, clean, clean. What about the people who can't clean their homes because they're roach infested? You can't clean the counter because you can't get to it because dishes are stacked up, dirty garbage, clothes, all that. People live like this. Now you want to send them to school, combine them with the people who don't live like that, and you say it's okay. Yeah, you got statistics. You got all that. I respect you and your years of expertise, but that's not the problem. Going back to school because people need to get back to work. We didn't ask for this. That's not making a solution. Do you think it's going to go away because you're going back to school, you're tired, you're unemployed, you can't eat, you don't have food? You have more food now. The resources are there. They're available. Keep your children home and ride this out. You're asking for the worst to do this, that we don't have a solution now, and going back to school is not the answer. Don't go back. Reach out there. Use some of the resources that are available. All right, Terry, thank you so much. I hear the passion in your voice. We'll go to the doctor for the response. Well, let me just say that um, uh, this past couple of months, uh, the health department, we've had to set up four different sites uh, for the homeless. It's real. The stimulus dollars are ending uh, the end of this month. Now, whether they're going to finally sign a second bill or not, in order to safeguard people so that they're not evicted from their apartments, uh, places to go, that, that homeless is, is real. And you can get infected um, also out into this community uh, environment. But we, we try to put things in place from an infection control standpoint. So, like, for kids coming into an elementary school, everybody would have to wash their hands at the beginning of coming into the school before they even start learning. So you want to try to start out at least with a clean sanitation environment. But I'm just telling you, um, we've got to solve how to keep people from becoming homeless because a homeless mother with three children and trying to have kids learn, it's, it's a very difficult challenge. All right, Lila, more phone calls, 317-239-9696. Let's hit line two. Caller, good morning. You're live on the air. Uh, thanks, Dr. Kane. I know you had a heart, hon. You're out here actually seeing what the homeless problem is, and all these people that are calling in and are playing golf and doing things, they got plenty of money, right? They yeah, don't want to admit what's really going on. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for keeping it shortly. I want to keep going to some other folks who didn't get to get in today. Caller on line one. Good morning. You're live on the air. Turn your radio down for me. Hello? Yeah. Hi, turn your radio down for me. You're live on the air now. Thank you very this much. Is Ter- this is Terry again. Home- being homeless and causing homeless to exist or expand or increase is not the issue at hand here. We're going to have that regardless. I wish I had to pay that much attention to the homeless before this broke out because they've been out there for years. That's not the The problem is that we don't have a solution for. I understand her. I respect her, but she keeps going back to things that we don't have control over. All right. Thank you, Terry. All right. Thank you, Terry. I got so many calls. I'm trying to get as many in as possible. Thank you. Let me try to jump to this caller on line three. Good morning. You're live on the open line show. Yes. um, I was calling because um, the doctor said before about the homeless, I mean, mother of three being evicted. What what needs to happen also with, along with not seeing the children back to school, that it needs to be where they are enforcing not evicting these parents. It's, and like she said, we didn't, this is, this is all out of our control. We didn't bring this on. So to evict people would be disgusting to do to somebody in this, in, in this situation to start evicting or putting them out on the street because you're not getting your money when mm-hmm. this is bigger than that. It's bigger than 
you getting your money is this is affecting everybody, not just you. So we have to begin to stop being such a such a selfish country. Everybody in this country starts to get a selfish mindset when it comes to money. It's more important to keep the uh, keep us safe by not putting us in situations where everybody keeps getting infected. If you're supposed to wear your mask, wear your mask. Do, do the things that's supposed to be done to help get this thing to just go away. But to put people out on the streets or do anything that's affecting their livelihood, I understand like you're not getting a paycheck, but to put evicting them out, or put, to put them out on the street to add that insult to injury, it's just it's a horrible thing. And mm-hmm. I just think in, a, in this situation that this whole country needs to start showing kindness and compassion to people because everybody is trying hard to, to live through all of this. So just I just think that we need to stop being a country of selfish people and care about what's going on. And I don't even think that they should tap on the last few months of rent afterwards. I think it starts right back, pick back up where it's, you know, where it left off at. Don't start charging people over charging them for more rent because you didn't pay uh, March's rent, April's rent. You know, mm-hmm. like, just don't do that. All right. Don't Thank you so that. much for your call. So. I appreciate it. Uh, that's gonna, that brings us up to the uh, 9 o'clock. Go, go ahead real quick. 30 seconds, Dr. King. So, one, hey, people got mortgages for their homes uh, and you haven't been able to pay in the last couple of months. That should be added on the back end of your mortgage, not that once this, is, this, is, this thing ends, at the end of the month, you're now stuck with paying your old, like, uh, five or six months that you've got to pay all at one time. So it's got to be on the back end. All right. And we need to write letters to the governor to say, hey, don't allow this law to evict us right now yeah. while the this, this situation is going. But yesterday I had someone report to me that their church, uh, over hundreds of members there, and only like a couple of people are wearing the mask because the wow. back pastor doesn't believe in this coronavirus. So that's where we're having our dangers that, you know, they may not care about themselves, but they need to look at what risk they're doing for the community. Dr. Mm-hmm. Kane, thank you so much for taking the calls for this hour. The phone lines are still yeah. ringing as we speak right now and get ready to wrap up this hour. However, this conversation will continue on Thursday. Dr. Kane will be around with some of the uh, superintendents throughout the area and our community affairs director, Tina Cosby, as she hosts a special report over the air on Hot 96.3, 106.7 WTLC and AM 1310 The Light and 92.7 FM. That is on Thursday afternoon. More details and guests still being lined up. Uh, you'll have plenty of time to continue to ask questions uh, with Dr. Kane as we get ready to send kids back to school starting on August 5th in Marion County. Dr. Kane, Ebony, thank you so much for a great hour. More of this conversation on Thursday. Dr. Kane, thank you again so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Miss Ebony. Of course. Thank you so much, Dr. Kane. Have a great weekend. Uh, thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we will see you uh, back here next Sunday, live at 8.